Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Mary Beth. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Uh, Anne, I think it was Anne, who asked me to speak. Anne or Alice? Linda. Linda? <laughs> uh, I had I had a century meeting and then a name and then OA. But anyway, whoever asked me to speak, thank you for asking me to speak. Um, I'm Mary Beth. Uh, I live in Pacifica. Uh, I guess I can qualify. Um, I've been in uh, Overeaters Anonymous since 1973. Um, I've uh, been, my highest was, uh, my lowest was seven pounds, seven ounces. <laughs> and my, and my, and my highest was 268. So I've been, you know, the full range of weights. And I guess I, I kind of get the... Um, the gold star for perseverance, because I've been in, in and around the room since 1973, which is the fall of 73, which is a, a quite a long time ago when, when you think about it. Um, I uh, didn't realize that I had a problem uh, with food. I, was, I, I knew that I ate, and I knew that I couldn't stop on my certain foods, my certain addictive foods, um, which now I guess we call them red, red foods or foods that I shouldn't be eating at all. But once I took that first compulsive bite, I was off to the races eating. So, uh, and my husband at the time was uh, always working, so that we were quite a pair. I was eating a lot and he was working a lot. So we were both real compulsive people. And I was reading a magazine uh, article and I read about uh, workaholics and I had never heard that word before, and I went, oh my God, you know, that's my, that's my husband. He's a workaholic. He's always working. He doesn't feel comfortable if he's not, you know, doing some, some work and making some money, earning some money. And he was very insecure about the family and our finances, and he was always working, which was annoying me because I would have plans and dinners and things, and, uh, and he would be off working, or he would start with the event, and then the his men friends would come in and they'd have problems with their car and then the next thing you know all the guys would be outside doing their fixing their cars and they wouldn't be eating the the dinner that I had made for the for the people that we invited but I did realize finally that um, reading that article that he was a compulsive person and a compulsive uh, uh, workaholic so a little bit time went on and uh, then I was reading the newspaper I used to always read and in fact I still do Ann Landers and Abigail Van Buren I always used to read those so I was reading one one, one morning when I was before 1973 one reading in the San Francisco Chronicle cuz uh, uh, we lived in Daly City so I got the Chronicle and I was reading about um, in the in Ann Landers and it was talking about compulsive overeating and compulsive overeating and I said oh my god you know people who started eating and they couldn't stop so I found out about the program actually from uh, Ann Landers in the newspaper so I really give a shout out to her because I think all these years those uh, Ann Landers and Abigail Van Buren and those women that write those columns have been uh, talking about Overeaters Anonymous and that's how I found out about it so then I realized, okay, you know, I, 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 there is a solution. There is something I can go to. Um, so I had a friend who was a compulsive overeater too. So the two of us went. Uh, and the first meetings that we went to were down on um, Van Ness, uh, and it was uh, a, uh, in the basement of a church. 
and there was a lot, it was filled with, filled with people. I mean, I, I think there were maybe 75 or 100 people in there. It was lots of people. So, uh, but I was willing, um, I was willing to go and be there, even though it was uncomfortable and I didn't know anybody. Uh, but I had come with Linda, and then Linda decided that it wasn't for her, and so she she dropped out. But I uh, continued to come, and I was there one, one another evening, and uh, one of the women said to me, um, hey, do you have a sponsor? I was at the literature table, because I didn't really know anybody too much. She said, do you, have a, do you have a sponsor? And I said, no. And she said, well, I'll be your sponsor. She said, if you come to another meeting, so I said, well, you know, I've got a three-year-old baby, and I, you know, it's really hard for me to get to these meetings. And she said, well, you know, if, it's, if you're sincere and you really want what we have, you'll make it to this meeting. So I thought, well, I'm really sincere, and I really want to do something about the situation. I was so unhappy with my weight and my body image and um, just the whole thing of not being able to stop eating certain substances, sugar, sugar, sugary substances and carbohydrates. So um, I, I said, well, okay, well, I'll do the best I can. So I wrapped up the baby and <laughs> in a blanket and put her in the car the next, the next uh, when this meeting was going to be happening. And she was about three, wrapped her up in the blanket and took her down to the meeting. And um, So I went to that meeting and met that, the woman there who, later, who became my sponsor and was my sponsor for quite a number of years. And... Um, so I worked with her, and I was able to uh, to get to Goldweight and to um, you know be uh, like a, the queen of OA, and uh, it was you know it was like wow you know don't go on a pedestal because it's not a not a good place to be, but it was the first time I guess that as an adult that I'd been at a at a reasonable kind of weight, and it was I felt really good about it, and um, I worked the, I worked the program with my sponsor. Um, but after a while, you know, I had, uh, I uh, got cocky and I stopped going to meetings, slowly, you know, not all at once, but slowly I stopped going to meetings, slowly I stopped doing the steps, slowly I, I, uh, I let go of my sponsor and I was, uh, I was kind of on my own, so I had, I quit uh, coming to Overeaters Anonymous and I gained all the weight back. Um, and, it took quite a while, but eventually I did uh, gain most of it back. Um, but I, I but it, as a child, um, I always was real interested in, in food. And I think probably the first time I realized something was, was wrong with, the, with my eating was when I was, I had my tonsils out and I went to um, the hospital and stayed. And in those days, they took your tonsils out and they took out... Um, and they kept you in there for two or three days. Uh, so, uh, and, and everyone had, all the, all the children in San Francisco, I was born and raised in San Francisco, and all the children in San Francisco had this uh, operation. So they took me in there, and I had never been separated from my mother. I was about three, three and a half years old. And it was so traumatic for me to be in the hospital and to uh, have the surgery and have my, my throat hurting. And then they gave me all the substances to cool down my throat. And... Um, that was kind of the triggering of the beginning of the of the sugar thing and, and, and for comfort, you know, eating for comfort. So I was eating eating for comfort uh, as a as a three and a half three year old three and a half year old, and I felt abandoned, you know, totally abandoned by my mother, you know, that she left me in this hospital and uh, 
and I just was, uh, you know, pretty pretty beside myself about that. And as a as a as an older adult, you know, my parents always told me the story that when she walked in to see me, you know, I stood up in the crib and I said, you know, I hate you, you sassy brat. And my mother was like, oh, God. <laughs> and my mother was like, you know, she was such a lady. And she was like, oh, where did she learn that kind of language? You know, and I, just, just, I was just three and a half. But already I, I knew that this wasn't happy for me. So that was kind of the beginning. And then, of course, all through grammar school, and I was always focused mainly on what, what, you know, what I could get, where I could get it, and, and the sugary items, you know, and if there's any, any, any kind of sugary things, that I was attracted to that. And, um, and also, you know, and, and, and finally, I, they took me, my mother took me to a weight uh, specialist uh, when I, I think I was in junior high or high school, and they put me on, and he, he used reverse psychology, which was kind of interesting, because sort of, sometimes that stubbornness that uh, compulsive people have, that uh, addictive personality, you do the opposite of what you're told to do. So this doctor said, well, here, I'll give you this diet. He says, I don't, I don't think, you're too young, and I don't think you're going to do it, and, but here, here it is, you know, so he gave me a piece of paper, and I said, I'm going to show that doctor that I could do that. <laughs> and so I did, you know, I showed him, and I went on that thing, and I was faithful to it, and I ate exactly what was on the plan. And, I, and so I did, so my, my story is basically a perseverance. It's been like up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down through the years. Uh, my, my weight has always been an issue. I get to, get to go weight and then gain it back. So I, so I did that some few years in high school where I was more, you know, slender, more of a, of a normal kind of size. Um, uh, but then, uh, you know, uh, you know, then when I became pregnant, I went way up again, and I had my my child, and then, um, then just different periods during my life, it just been kind of up and up and down, and so um, once I found um, the, uh, I, once I read the article and uh, started to uh, realize that there was a solution, and I was able to go to the meetings um, and make. Make uh, make some friends in the program, so I've, I focused my my life pretty much around Overeaters Anonymous. This when my daughter was young, and we would go to the meetings over at the French Hospital, and um, those meetings were uh, there was all all women's an all women's meeting. I think it was Sunday morning or Saturday morning. And it was all meeting all women's meeting. And um, my daughter would go with me, and she became old enough to babysit. So there was women there that were um, also bringing in their children, and they were in in the meeting. So they were so she wasn't totally alone with the, all these babies. And so she would she would babysit. So my daughter has been with me through uh, all of these things too over the years. She has followed me, and I've taken her to a lot of meetings. And you know, as as she was the uh, the babysitter for that. Um, for the for that time at that place, which was kind of nice, um, that while I was in the meeting, she could be, she could be t- be doing us doing some service at that meeting. So, um, so then what happened? So then um, I kind of uh, had to get a new sponsor because my my sponsor uh, moved away, and um, I did get a new sponsor. And I recommitted last uh, January to my uh, to the program that I'm working now, which is the which is the How program, 
and I'm working that program um, with a sponsor. And uh, she had been with me for five or six years, and we'd been working well together. And uh, she had a slip. So about a month ago, I had to get a new sponsor. And um, that was kind of... Um, that was kind of difficult because I had was so used to working with, with my, my previous sponsor, now I got a new one. So she required new things of me. You know, she required that I, uh, I write from four to day every day on that uh, meditation, and, which is, and then read it to her on the phone. And I also do a gratitude list with, her, with, uh, with my gratitude group. And there's four of us that are together, and we, we write all our gratitudes down every, every morning. And they have become quite long. We have quite quite long lists of things that we're grateful for. And there's there's three of us that are very active. And um, well, actually, four of us are very active. One isn't as active. And uh, we do that. And I think what's really happened with that, it's put my attitude more on um, more on gratitude. And I look more for gratitude for. For things, you know, I look to, um, you know, having a dentist, is, is, I'm grateful for that, or, you know, water that I have in the house, or the heat that I have, or my car, or things that, that I didn't really notice were, that I was so grateful for, but be having this list, and then all the, the things that are going on in the world, you know, the fires and the, uh, the, the destruction and the kinds of things that are happening in the world, and then I'm able to focus in on the, the good things that are happening for me. And... Um, and we also do, uh, I also do a prayer list of all the, at a, and at my age, um, there's quite a few people that are having health problems. So they, uh, so I put them on my prayer list to pray for them for their health issues and more and more uh, come up as time goes on. Um, so I got the new sponsor and I've been working with her. And I think that was, it kind of shook me up a bit for a while, but I think it was really a good thing. I think, um, that you know, uh, I feel that God's in charge, and I'm, you know, I'm like it says in the big book, I'm the actor and He's the director. You know, God's in charge of my life, and things happen for for a reason. Um, things, uh, God knows the big picture, and I know only a little. And I look at it like, um, you know, God's kind of over in a helicopter up there, and I'm down on the earth, and um, I can see like. I can see, say, the Amazon River going back and forth, and uh, I can see from my position on the Earth. I'm looking at the Amazon River. I can see it in one way, but God, looking from above, can see it. Can see the whole picture, whereas I can see only a little. And and so some of the things that I think aren't so great that happen in my life actually turn out to be really good things. And um, I had a, I, you know, phys, it's phys, this program is physical, emotional, and spiritual, and the physical part, uh, I was, um, I was having trouble with my knees, a lot of trouble walking, and uh, they, they, my, the surgeon wanted me to have a, a hip replacement. They, it took a while to figure out what my problem was, but it turned out to be my hip. So I was really terrified of that. I was terrified of, I mean, I never had any broken bones. I never had anything happen to my body. So I was really scared of having a, a hip replacement. And um, I did a lot of praying, and I did a lot of talking to people who had had one, and I, I did a lot of research. And I went to my, my doctors, and then I went to outside of my plan and paid for an outside doctor to find out about this, re, about this surgery. 
And he, and he said there is, there's two different kinds of hip replacements. There's the one they go in through the back and there's the one that they go in through the front. And the doctor that I went to in San Francisco said, you know, the one, you'll be walking in three weeks, you know, or two or three weeks, you'll be walking if you have the one in the front. And Kaiser wasn't telling me about the one in the front. So I went to tell them about it, what I, what I preferred, you know. That, and I asked the doctor about it, and, he, and I said, is there anybody, I can't really afford to come to you, you're not, you're not in my plan, but can I, you know, who can I go to? And he said, well, there is a doctor in, in, in the San Francisco, the Kaiser plan that I have, that does that kind of, kind of operation. And I think all these things are kind of like God things. I mean, that I went to a doctor that had this new operation, which, of course, I didn't know anything about. And if I had stuck with my surgeon in, in, uh, in South San Francisco, I would have had it from the back, which would have been a lot more pain and it would have been a lot more long-time recovery. So I ended up finding out about this new, new, um, new procedure, which really wasn't that new, but it was new to me. And so I, had the, I was able to find a doctor that, that Dr. Mast in San Francisco recommended. And he, so I went to a, um, a doctor in my, in my plan that would do that, uh, that surgery. But I think the, 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 I guess what I, what I got out of all this is like everything is lessons for me. It's everything that I go through is a lesson. And this was my lesson of, of fear, you know. Um, oh, I forgot my pictures. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just noticed. Um, I, about fears. And, you know, so many times I have fear and it, it's unresolved. I mean, it's, it's just, it, I have this fear, this free-floating fear about this procedure or about this event or about this whatever, and it never comes to pass. Like, I was so scared of this thing, and yet when I had it, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I, and I think so often in, in my, and I have to, I mean, I'm learning more and more to turn it over to my higher power, let go, let God, you know, pray about it, and then turn it over and, get, and give it to my, in my uh, higher power, which in my case I believe is God. Um, so uh, I think I've, I've learned so much in the program about perseverance, and I've learned that, that you know, we have a disease, and the disease of compulsive overeating, and like I was listening today when we read the part from the big book, and it said the 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 um, our disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And I always heard that, and I always I you know heard it over and over and over, and I got it. And then at one of the meetings, one of the speakers said, you know, the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, but it's also patient. And I'm thinking, in my case, it's so patient. I mean. Here it is, 2019, and I've been in the program since 2000, since 1973, and you know this disease is still there. And if I uh, have those substances like uh, sugar or uh, refined, uh, like or in carbohydrates, uh, it'll trigger it, and I won't, that, I I won't be able to stop. And uh, eating those those foods, and that's what I found out. The lessons learned from all this time in uh, OA is that I'm just as strong an addict as I today as I was then, and maybe even more so, because I know there's a solution, and I know that there's a better way. And and when it, and so eating isn't so much eating the foods that I'm not supposed to eat isn't so much fun it kind of it kind of feels bad because 
I know that it's, it's, uh, it's going to harm me and I'm going to get into that spiral. And um, that's what happened. It's happened to me so many, well, not so many times, three or four times in the program. I've just gotten way, uh, way up, back into my disease because I was just did, wanted to do, I just, well, I didn't want to surrender. I just want my will, not God's will. You know, my will, I wanted. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And one example is when I went up to, uh, what do you call it, uh, Canada, and I wanted to go to this high tea. And, and my friend said, you know, I don't think that's a very good idea. She wasn't in program, but she knew, you know. So she said, I don't think that high tea is a very good idea. And I said, well, I, I really want to go. I really want to go to this tea. And thank you. And so, um, I, so, I, uh, so anyway, I kind of, you know, strong-armed her into going to this tea. And, and true enough, I ate the sugar, I ate the sweets, I ate everything. And I had this crazy idea that the next day I get back on my plan. <laughs> I really thought I could do that. I really thought I could have this high tea, eat all that stuff. And go back. And the next day, of course, I couldn't do it. And then I said, well, okay, well, I'll do it Monday. Well, of course, Monday came and went. And then the end of the, I said, well, I'll do it. I'll eat until the end of the vacation. The end of the vacation came and went. And I was still in the food really bad. And so the upshot is, two years later, I finally got my abstinence back. So, I mean, for me, it's like life and death. Don't fool around with it because, you, I mean, there's no way of telling, you know, when it's going to if you're going to be able to get it back or not. So, um, so anyway, I, I'm looking at the principles of the program, and that's what I try to live my life by, the principles of the program, and each step has a principle. And um, it, they are 12 by 12, they all have all the principles. But for me, I think, you know, that, that uh, what is it, number, um, where is it, number, Oh, what is it? Oh, the perseverance. Number 10 for me is the one that really I think that I get the gold star for because I know that I need to be in these rooms. I'm an addict. And without OA, I'm going to be back up to 200. Well, I didn't say my highest, but my highest was 260. No, 268. Wait, I wrote it down. Yeah, 268 was my highest as... Uh, or maybe higher because I thought that I would weigh that, but I would. I after that I stopped weighing, so I could have been, you know, I could have been closer to three hundred. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't weigh after two sixty eight. So, um, <clears throat> but that's really not a healthy weight for me. Um, so, yeah. But perseverance. I mean, I know there's a better way. Always the way, and I'm I'm glad to be here. And thank you for letting me talk. And I uh, appreciate it. Bye bye.